fourth place in the you World Cup. For us. He yeah! Yes, hello and welcome to the Fox Football Podcast. I'm Adam Peacock and it's a special podcast brought to you by EA Sports FIFA 21. Win as one. This game is out right now. I know this because I don't see my son anymore. He's locked away in his room playing it. Robbie Slater is here, not locked away in his room playing FIFA. How are you, mate? I would be if they give me one. <laughs> Can I have one? Well, we'll put a word in. We'll put a word in. We know people. We yes. know people. But thank you to EA Sports yeah. and uh, their FIFA 21 game for coming on board with this podcast. Yeah, well, my kids have played FIFA forever. It seems like. Were you and ever I, in FIFA? I as was. A I was. Someone sent me a, <laughs> a screenshot. A screenshot of me on FIFA. Yeah. And it's hilarious. I mean, it was yeah, certainly not certainly the start of the technology. But uh, yes, I was on FIFA. <laughs> Did you have the flat top still? Yep. <laughs> I've got to find that hey. screenshot. Yeah, I wonder where it is. <laughs> I've got to find that screenshot. Hey, uh, Rob, there's so much to talk about. Oddly enough, we're meant to be in off-season. Actually, this is the, the time of year that we're usually running around like idiots because we're mm. flying here, there and everywhere, the start of the A-League. Well, we won't be doing that run. anymore. It's not happening at the moment <laughs> because uh, we're waiting and we understand that uh, – well, not understand, it's official. December 27 is the start of the next A-League season yep. and W-League season as well. W-League season to be 14 rounds, A-League season to be 26 rounds. Rounds, draw to be done, logistics to be worked out, mm. midweek rounds look like they're on the table, uh, final uh, A-League game, mm-hmm. grand final in late June. Thoughts? Brilliant. Mm. Brilliant for, for the, the first reason that, you know, it's news that we're kicking off um, and, and, you know, we can look forward to that. Of course, there's going to be a lot of hurdles uh, to get over when you mentioned, as you just did, logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's great to have a start date and, and, and an end date so we know, you know, we can plan, you know, where is it going, but there's a lot of work to do. We know it's a crucial season coming up in respect to the broadcast deal because this is the last season uh, for Fox Sports. So there's a lot, a lot of work to be done off the pitch as well and I hope and I hope and I hope that everyone... In this independent new league, is that what if that's what it is, and everyone realizes how much work there is to do? Having a look at what we like to watch each weekend, the playing stocks, so the, the caliber of player, it does look like it's going to be younger. Although I, I did like the the fact that Melbourne Victory signed a player from overseas mm. last week, so it means that the tap hasn't been totally turned off there. It looks like a few players are. Uh, of a more experienced Australian nature have gone over to places like India to further their career. Are you? enthralled, excited, um, anticipating a younger, more youthful-looking A-League with opportunities well, given always, the kids that yeah. might not get a, get, a, get a go? Well, I've always been one uh, The kids should get an opportunity. If you go back to the old NSL, and, and, you know, I don't like to do this because it was a long time ago, but if I go back to when I was a kid um, coming into the old NSL, the young players were the stars of the game. Your Frank Farinas, your Jimmy Patikas, your Graham Arnolds, uh, Zeliches and Ocons. Viduka was a superstar. So when they were 18, 19, 20, 21? Well, I started when I was 17. So did, uh, I think Frankie was 18 and all the rest were, were, were of similar age. And there was, and the stars of the game were, were the young players. Of course, there was others, of course. And that, that's what I'd like to see. But, um, you know, also we're, where are they going to come from? <laughs> Therein lies mm. the problem. Um, but if you give them a chance... Um, I think we saw in that short window after the COVID break mm. that some of the young players did excel. And, and I'm all f- 
for young players playing, but I still think we need the the sprinkle of something on the top. Yeah. Yeah, and, and clubs like Sydney, um, taking, talking to Steve Corica the other day, they're jetting out to Doha like uh, Perth and Melbourne Victory mm. are for the Champions League in mid-November, so about a month's time. They're yep. playing their first friendly, actually, on the weekend, Sydney FC. They've been able to hang on to everyone but LaFondra. Yep. And he goes, oh, well, I've only got to replace 20 goals, so <laughs> I don't know where he's going to get that from. But it's good that he's been able to keep hold of Barbarossa so far and yep. Ninkovic and Bum Johan, so it's not... I, I got the feeling that the end of last competition with so much uncertainty and then they then it all kicked off with the players and the PFA and mm. working out pay cuts and all of that, 30% was thrown around that it was like, oh, goodness, what, are we going to have a glorified state league here? Mm. It's not quite the case at this moment, no. which is good. And, and we can't have that. No. And uh, I think the club owners would be very... Very conscious of that, and the coaches. Um, yeah, and that's you know when you think um, Sydney only lost Lafondra, uh, the champion. So that's that's that means that they're you know apart from him, <laughs> you know they're still at full strength. And you know, and replacing Lafondra, you have to have faith in Sydney's recruitment because remember the, everyone said the same when Bobo left, and he scored more goals. Mm. I think it was twenty-seven goals he left uh, the year after, and they found Lafondra. So. Yeah, look, I, I think positivity is something that's going to be needed going into the new season and, and the football public, you know, really have to embrace it. Not misguided positivity as well. No. Not just cheerleading and no, but you not, were accused having... of once pom-poms and yeah, things like that. Well, but... that'll continue. But uh, <laughs> what, what we can't have is just continual sniping at the game and negativity. Yeah. I, know, I know you can't always be positive because you've got to say things, see things for what they are. But, look, I've gone on about it. It's, it's a broken record. I, I just don't want to p- people comparing the A-League to English Premier Leagues and, and all this because that's not fair. It's never been fair. And, you know, people need to decide. Football people need to decide. I've said it before again, broken record. And, I'll, you know, unfortunately, uh, people listen to this. Some people will listen to the podcast and they'll get on Twitter and smash me. Uh, that's, that's the nature. And I, I wish that could change. But... You know, you've got to you've got to support if you want a professional league in this country. It's time to support it. Yeah, I, I think it's unfair the comparisons with the Premier League. Well, it's, to, it is unfair. No, to to compare what our A League defenders do to something like Harry Maguire did against <laughs> Tottenham, it's completely unreasonable for our A League. Very players. much so. Yeah, that was. We'll uh, get to Harry Maguire a bit later on. Yes, we will. <laughs> good old Harry Maguire. Far out. He's had a he's had a couple of good months. Um, so the A-League looking forward, there is a big change at Newcastle Jets and also Western mm. Sydney Wanderers with the appointment of Carl Robinson confirmed today. From the Wanderers' point of view, uh, what do you make of this appointment, them going to another A-League club and poaching a coach? Is it fair enough? Um, look, I think uh, it's happened before. Um, it happens in football. Um, it shows me that Newcastle aren't in a great spot. Because that, that's the only reason I can see Carl Robinson leaving. And we know Wanderers is the bigger club, mm-hmm. um, but it does throw question marks uh, on how Newcastle are actually travelling. He did go back to Newcastle yesterday, Carl Robinson, and he was in at the Jets around the place. The players are a little in the dark about it. But back to Wanderers about what they're getting with Carl Robinson. Is he exactly what they need, given the fact that after Tony Popovich has left the club, they finish 7th, 8th? And ninth. Yeah, look, the Wanderers have been extremely disappointing. And, and I think, you know, if we talk about the league having difficult times, I think Wanderers, Wanderers failures have been part of it. Mm. There is no doubt about it. You look at the old clips 
of when Shinji Ono was there, when Popper went and they went and won the Asian Champions League, the crowds and the and the passion for the club. And there was also, I think, mistakes by the FFA uh, and the league uh, to, towards their supporters that, that made a lot of them turn away. Mm-hmm. And they were big, big mistakes. But uh, hopefully Carl Robinson can go there, do what he did with Newcastle in that short window uh, that he had, and you'll have the stats there for, for them. Because Wanderers need to get back on track, not just for their, their own fans, but for the whole competition. Because, yeah, Wanderers, little story about Tony Popovich when he landed and John Satsimus then was like the, the football manager. He yep. wasn't the CEO of the club like he is now. So he landed in Australia to take over mm. Wanderers. They didn't have anything. They no. didn't have a training base. Now they've got state-of-the-art stuff right now. But right then they didn't have players, staff, a training ground. They knew probably where they were going to play, Parramatta Stadium. He come back the night he landed. He went out to John Satsmas's house, this is how the story goes mm-hmm. as I understand it, and they sat down with a blank piece of paper and said, this is how we're going to set up the club. And Tony Popovich had his ideas, John Satsmas helped him along with it. He had his ideas about the Australian football scene because he'd been at Newcastle yeah. Jets and a few other places. And then they just nutted it out and they had a clear plan and they didn't shy too far away from that plan in the initial stages and look where it got them. Well, that plan was what they should go back to. Or, because that, that plan, or a plan. A plan. Maybe not that plan. No, but, but you plan. know what I mean, to, to, to re-engage with the supporters. The, the mistake to play at Spotless Stadium was a mistake. Mm-hmm. And ANZ. Should have gone to Penrith. They should have gone to Penrith. Um, look, but that's happened. You know, yeah. There's no point going over you know, the, the mistakes that have been made. They just need, you know, Paul Lederer needs to run this ship as well and, and demand excellence. Hasn't he been doing club. that? Well... Well, yeah, uh, he He's has. He's been making the decisions, to, yeah. or him and his, well, board, the, the, and his fellow been, owners. Well, there's been massive mistakes made, and like I said, you can't you can't uh, go back and change them. But you know, we all need the Wanderers to get a plan to get back to being competitive. Yeah, because they haven't been. I mean, wh- no, how no. would you describe them in the last two seasons under Marcus Babel? A rebel, not just because Babel's rebel. <laughs> Not because it rhymes, but because it actually was. Well, it was. They, they, yeah, they just didn't look good. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. as a football, this is not a criticism of Wanderers, the club. It's a criticism of what was their playing the way style? they were playing. What was well, their playing you, style? Well, I can, you could rarely pick it. Mm. Could you pick it? Not clearly, but not you've got a much more trying eye than I yeah, do. Yeah, but no, it was, yeah, it didn't work. Mm. It didn't work. And, and you always had the feeling, and I did a lot of Wanderers games, that you'd arrive and you, ha- you already had that feeling that it, wasn't going to work. Mm. Carl Robinson at Newcastle Jets in his 10 games. So I'll ask you the same question I asked you about Wanderers under Marcus Babel. What was his uh, team? Well, everyone knew what they were doing. You know, the back three worked. Mm. Um, But they worked hard for that. They obviously believed in their coach. You don't pull out results like they were pulling out if you don't believe in what the coach is saying. So he did a terrific job. And, uh, you know, it's Newcastle's loss and Wanderers' game at Mm. the moment. Given, and Carl proved himself in that, those 10 games to certainly look like he's got what it takes. And, uh, but it's still a short window. Mm. So he, he'll have, you know, th- there's no questions in his mind that he, this is a big job he's taking on. The statistical information about Carl Robinson, and obviously football's not based on stats, it's about based on feelings. And yeah, but they don't lie either. Get, they don't lie either. So when he took over, Newcastle were 11th and they were ranked of 11. They were ranked 11th in goals scored and ranked 11th in goals against. In the 10 games that he took over, those yep. 10 games yep. after that, 
They became the best team in the competition, 21 points from possible 30. No team in the competition bettered that. Mm -hmm. They went to fifth in terms of goals scored. And most importantly, in my regard, they were the best team in the competition defensively, Defensive. conceding just six goals. In 10 games. In 10 games. They... They looked like, and I sat on the sidelines at games. You call, you, mm. you you sat up, you watched up high. You sat on the sideline as well. The clarity that this guy gave his players, mm. and pushed along by a bit of belief, and then I don't know. You can talk more about this, but if you have belief and a clear idea about what you need to do, it's for half the, coach, the battle, uh, half the battle, or is it a <laughs> is it a little bit more? Because they looked in. <coughs> in complete unison and turned into arguably the best team in the competition. Yeah, the that, and that 10-game 10, 10, 10, uh, period, yeah. And uh, it was phenomenal what he did. Mm. And like I said, that's in the past now. It's got to be done at the Wanderers. Different different circumstances. He's got to start really from ground zero uh, and, you know, give this club an identity again, you know, in a direction. And certainly he proved with Newcastle that, that he did that. Is Newcastle at ground zero now? Yep. Yep, definitely. That's a massive loss. You only have to look at what you just said, what, they, what they've lost. Mm. So who knows what's going on inside the club. Um, yeah, I know they've got a great man up there as the CEO in, in Laurie McKinna, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have wanted Carl Robinson to leave. No, but how it's, it's like, I don't know. I, I've tried to ring around and say, have they even got compensation for this guy? Because he had no. three years left on a three-and-a-half-year yeah, deal. Yeah, well, see, this is the thing with Carl Robinson. I mean, you'd imagine money would be a factor as well. Well, he doubles his wage probably. Well, that's what I mean. And then, you know, and football is, you know, the reality of, his, hmm. of it is, you know, you've got to make what you can. So, yeah, I'm sure the, the carrot was quite large. I'm wondering if the Wanderers wouldn't have put their hand up to pay for it, but I would hope... And we'll find out in the coming days if Newcastle have said, okay, you're going to take him, mm. give us some cash, part of it. Well, like you said. But you don't know the details know. of the contract. That's normal practice overseas when a manager leaves a Depends a what's in their contract. Club. Depends what's, what's in, in their contract. I was trying to think back. So what happened with, with JP? Is in when he well, left. When he left, did he get paid his full contract? What did he sign? Two years? Contractual arrangements. I had it pointed out to me by a Wanderers spokesman and not talked about. In the well, that's right. Time. That's exactly right. So everyone's contract is is different, and I know because I know some coaches. <laughs> Do you? Who've been around? Are you sure? In fact, I just got a missed call from the national coach. <laughs> there you go. Your uh, your two thrice daily call. This is the middle one that yeah. you missed, and. Um, I know for a fact that there are, you know, certain contracts that, uh, you know, you only get a three-month payout, three months of salary. So mm. that's decided, you know, when you sign the contract. With Newcastle, the problem is Carl Robinson went in there and was given just the ability to do what he wanted to with mm. the football program. And he was in the early stages of linking the academy, which was teetering at one stage, I'm led to believe, uh, linking the academy all the way through. So sorting out all the way down to the under-13s, all mm. the way up to the first team. The problem with Newcastle, and we'll get to the ownership situation in a moment, but they, they're in debt. They rent. They live hand-to-mouth. Yeah. And this is a little bit indicative of the entire existence of the A-League so far. Mm. It's living day-to-day -day rather than looking at the big picture. And Newcastle being caught out here because they thought they had something that was going to take care of the football program in the next 12 months at least. And now that's gone. They don't have an owner. They don't have anywhere to live. They're renting. They don't have any money. I don't understand how you can get yourself into a position like that after 15 years when <sighs> really it's no surprise that 
this is the environment that you live in. If mm. you have a successful manager, he's going to be wanted somewhere else. And now, okay, the, the, the period of time where he's successful for him is smaller than everything that you're led to believe. But still, wow, it's it's extraordinary what's become of Newcastle. Especially a couple of days before pre-season starts. So. Yeah, October 26th there. Yeah, you know, because the I think it was a surprise that what happened with JP at the, at the Wanderers, that sort of came out of the blue. Mm. And then obviously it was game on mm. for Wanderers looking for, for a new coach. So. Look, I think Newcastle's problem is, is they're not the only club in that sort of situ- in that sort of situation. Just on Carl fifteen Ro- years on, yeah, Just and that, that's another thing. And, and I've, I've said it: fifteen years on, the league is in the position it's in. Yeah, you know, how does that work? Yeah, you know, you know, we should be now a solid competition. You know, chugging along quite nicely and, and we find ourselves in all sorts of problems. So these clubs are worth millions and millions of dollars, their licence fees, and mm. Newcastle's is up for grabs. Uh, so they're working through and uh, there's a statement out from the FFA and James Johnson saying that they recognise the absolute importance of football to that region and the overall structure of Australian football. There needs to be a Newcastle. Of course yeah. They're going to make sure. It's such a rich football history. Um, it's not so much a rugby league town. There's a lot of football heritage in that in that area and yeah. surrounding areas as well. But uh, the FFA have said that, yeah, it's it's a huge part. If we lean back on the principles that we've brought out, this is a, a prime example of what we need to look mm. after and need to grow. Uh, so we'll do everything we can. We're in discussions with um, relevant parties, interested parties. There's a, a, a very thorough due diligence um, process taking place, I dare say, from looking at the Jets books and then vice versa, looking at the owner's um, perspective, bank accounts, so mm. to speak, to make sure there's no Nathan Tinkler or Martin Lee, as it's turned out as well. But if there is a transaction, say there's a transaction of $5 million, $10 million, I've got a theory that some of that money needs to go back into infrastructure for a club like Newcastle, so they're not renting. So they've got a training ground at the very least. But most clubs are renting. Most clubs are. Yeah. In fact, all the clubs are, aren't they? Uh, I'm not sure about Wanderers and uh, mm. I'm not sure about Melbourne City. I don't know what that deal is with the university that they built their training ground on. Yeah, but they're still playing at Amy Park. Yeah. it's. Uh, but, that, but you have to look at the AFL and the NRL as you know, 100-year-old competitions and they're still doing the same as well. But I'm looking at training grounds. I'm yeah, no, at you're looking at like you're the Wanderers facility and the Melbourne City facility are, are world-class. There's no doubt about that. And like Newcastle club. are rocking up to a local oval at the university, I think, about yeah. uh, training. It's, oh, it's it's preposterous that they can be in that situation after 15 mm. years. I I reckon some of that money, and I know uh, the FFA might blow up about it because they want to use it for something else. Well, or the, the FFA and a broke as well. <laughs> the new owners, yeah, that too. Or the new ownership group want that to go into a central pool or whatever. But surely there comes a point where you use the money for good and the money for good is to mm. reinvest it in that football club so it becomes an even more attractive proposition for the next owner that comes in. Mm. Anyway, we're not accountants, thankfully. No. Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm glad I'm not because then I'd realise how much I've lost. <laughs> I, I did notice your Instagram account in the last couple of weeks. You were up at Byron Bay. Yes, I did drive to Byron Bay and I arrived in Byron Bay six points lighter. Oh, no. <laughs> the double demerits. A very nice officer presented me with a fine. Uh, much deserved. Much I, deserved. I 10Ks over, but uh, yeah. Yeah, great, stri- great start to the trip. And you just, took- uh, just south of the big banana it happened. 
Spoiled my big banana experience. <laughs> it's not a metaphor, is it? I took, no, well, I took a photo of the big banana and I wasn't happy. <laughs> you took one at Byron Bay next to your ex-wife as well. You took your ex-wife on holidays and you went well, out. Well, yeah, and I was out last night with the first ex-wife. So, um, <laughs> Jeez, you're a social So guy. the second, yeah, second ex-wife uh, yeah, came along for the ride. <laughs> and we had a great time. Had a great you're time. You're an emotional guy in the moment, but you do let go of anger quickly. That's what I like about you, Rob. <laughs> yeah. You let go of anger, but you let go of it quickly. Yes, of course. That's the main thing. Anyway. <laughs> Life's too short to be bitter, son. <laughs> Moving right along. Hey, what do you make of this? Now, it looks like it's been – it's had a bomb put under but it. But I tell you, I could do with some of that money. <laughs> speaking of money, <laughs> speaking of money, the Premier League. Yes. Their idea um, mm. to have basically six clubs control the finances of all, in, mm. all of English football. Now, it looks like it's had uh, put a line through it overnight, but it will pop up again. Uh, their plan was to – uh, basically take over, have a greater say in the running of the TV rights and the greater split of the TV rights. The current ratio is basically for the lowest team that finishes yep. in the Premier League, say they notionally get one pound, yep. the top team gets one pound 80. Mm. So that's the this new deal that was going to try and um, manufacture itself or come to life, that was one pound the top, 3.5 pounds. Mm. So it's a big, big widening of the gap between the haves and the have-nots. But they were going to give 250 million pounds to championship clubs whose revenues were yeah. automatically overnight going to go from 8 million to 20 million. League one, 850k to 3 million. League two, 700k to 1.5 million. The EFL, championship, league yep. one, league two, Rick Parry fell over himself mm. to say, yes, this sounds great. This will save us. Mm. There was too many people saying, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Mm. They're trying to take over for, yeah, yeah. Uh, good, uh, for evil, not good. What do you make of all of this and how much of it is just mind-blowingly... Mind-blowing. Mi- just mind-blowing to you, the, the yeah. sense that, that the clubs are just trying to make this cartel. Yeah, just make, you know, the power, the, the, power, the powerful get more powerful and mm. that that's, looks like what it is. And, yeah, obviously there was... Parts in there, like you mentioned, the championship, yeah, we're all for it. But uh, you can imagine the other Premier League clubs just going, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, and once you start that, you know, where does it end? Mm. You know what I mean? So. You were there in the early days of the Premier League. Yeah. What was it like as a player in terms of the incremental growth of wages? Did you, I know I'm putting no. too fine a point at it, did you go to England for money for a no. payday at the end of your career? No, no. It was opportunity. It's just like my, my dream was to go there. In fact, I went there for less money. Did you? Yeah. I, I, you left I, France to go to... It wasn't a lot less, but it was certainly less to go to Blackburn yep. Rovers. Yeah, I was... Uh, that wouldn't happen these I'd, days. I, I'd, no. I'd, I'd, off, I'd been offered another three, year, three years at Longs, but mm. I'd, England came knocking and the dream... Yeah, I was 29. People don't realise I was 29 when I signed for Blackburn. Hmm. And um, it was my... I grew up watching Liverpool, of course, as you know, and my dream was to, you know, to play at Wembley and then and to, to play in England. And so that was the, the last uh, – oh, there's the national coach again. We're going to have to blank him. He really uh, wants to talk to you. Yeah. Um, but um, when I left, it was difficult because I'd had such a great time in France. Uh, yeah. And, uh, so it was more opportunity, it wasn't a financial thing. Wasn't certainly wasn't a financial thing because I mean it wasn't it wasn't a bad financial. Yeah, it wasn't. You were taking seventy five percent. No, no, no. Of course, I was more like five percent. But you know, for anyone to think that I was doubling my money going from France, don't forget France. The French league when I played there was the best in Europe. 
Marseille were at the top. Yeah. Monaco were at the top. Arsene Wenger was the manager. You know, you had big, big players, Rudy Vola, Palau Futri, mm. you know, of course, Chris Waddle, Abidi Pele and Marcel Desai, Basile Bolli at this Marseille team and Monaco had George Weah. So it was... It was a it was a very strong competition. So they they were well paid. And you look what they ended up with about eight years later or six yeah. years later. They end up winning a World Cup winning on World Cup. home soil. But just on the English game, then did you have an inkling? Did anyone have an inkling over there then? That yeah, my manager be, told me it would become. He what said it it's going to. This is this league's going to explode. When I arrived, there was only about six foreigners, mm. and I was one of them. Eric Cantona was another one. I what, can't in the entire the league other, in the entire league because I remember there was a story on. Bosser was one of them. Um, yep. So I remember there was a story on Sky Sport. I don't know. It was a show. It was early in, I think it was about six weeks into uh, the season. And they were talking about the the arrival of foreign players and how it's going to explode and there's going to be more and more. At the moment, there was six. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible, isn't it? It is extraordinary. And uh, yeah, obviously... Six in every starting line. And then a year later, it was, you know... I can't remember, but, you know, within by the time I'd left, everyone was full of foreigners. So your manager told you, your agent? Yeah, or, my agent, yeah. No, not Kenny Dalglish. No, no, no. So your agent, what did your agent say? He said, look, this is financially just going to go. Yeah, he said, this league's going to go through the roof. To space. This will take it take over what was largely accepted as the league when I just said about France. That wasn't accepted as the biggest league. Italy mm. was with AC Milan and yeah, yeah. Napoli. And did you believe him at the time? What did you think? think? No, when you're a player, you don't think You like don't that. care. I don't care. <laughs> I just wanted to play for Kenny. <laughs> Pretty simple, really. Yeah, well, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> explaining to me. I said, yeah, okay, Dave, I'm signing. It's good. <laughs> but look what it's – has it blown your mind? Do you think 100%. now, oh, far out, if I was 10, year, oh, like 10 years old? No, 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 no. I only had to be five years younger. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that when it took But off? look, everyone's – that's relative to everyone, although now it is – Extraordinary. Um, but ridiculous. the players before me earned less and the ones before them earned less and it's just the way it is. And yeah. mate, I earned good money and had great times in my career and I certainly don't – I'm not one of those that looks and goes, oh, shit, if I only was born five years earlier, I would have earned – no, you hmm. get what you get. And, and You don't get upset. <laughs> That's no. what my kids say. Listen, it was my choice to throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> On Porsches and wives. And <laughs> you know, don't lose it once, lose it twice, Robbie. <laughs> yeah, right. well <laughs> – Good said Inkland said, don't do the same trick twice. Well, you've made a lot no, what, of what's the, No, the saying, is, the saying is it's human to make a mistake once. It's just stupid to make <laughs> the same mistake twice. Do you fear uh, the way that the current economic climate is? And we're still in it. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the world's no, going to look don't. like economically. And look at Europe again now. Five months, let alone five years. But the lower leagues in England, the lifeblood mm. of English football where people – their local community is based around what happens on a Saturday at their football 100%. Are, are you fearful that this could crumble in a really bad way for a number well, of clubs? Could. We've seen a couple of go already. Yeah, no, it could and, uh, and, and that's the worry and I'm, th- and I'm sure there's people much cleverer than us trying to work out how to save it. Mm. But um, I don't know. Look, England's a unique place in the, in the respect to how many leagues they have, professional leagues, mm. how many professional players and... You just wonder if that's sustainable. But when you think of clubs dying and you think of those lower leagues and you think of what individual players are earning in the Premier League, it sort of doesn't add up. No. 
No, some of the wage bills, like three players on a wage bill, budget. bigger than the budget of an entire club. Oh, that's right. At a lower reaches. Yeah, the, at the moment, the budgets, yeah, all of this has come out. The budgets for a League Two club is about 700,000K and, yeah. and League One, 850K um, or revenue at the moment. Yeah. So, And that revenue has gone out the door because they can't pe- get people through the gate. So the Premier League has come to the party somewhat with this restructure overnight and saying, okay, yeah. we won't do this big picture or whatever the hell it's called, yeah. but we will give League One and League Two clubs £77 million yeah. pounds to keep hopefully ticking over um, because... Well, yeah. there's one thing that's clear in, in, in this COVID world we're living is that sooner or later stadiums have to be full. Open up again. I'm yeah. not just talking EPL. I'm talking all over the world. I'm talking about Australia, whether it be rugby league, A-League or rugby or AFL because it's revenue. Imagine imagine if you tuned in to the Bledisloe test, for instance, yeah. on the weekend from England and you went... It's 31,000 people inside. I oh, know. <laughs> That's remarkable. It's crazy. Yeah, they, and we've got crowds in here in Australia. We're, we're so thankful. And hopefully when the A-League comes back, there's mm. at least some capacity to, to have 70% of, of yeah. crowds in because it is an important part of the A-League clubs uh, and W League clubs revenue. Hey, just another uh, quick mention of EA Sports FIFA 21. Yes. Um, in FIFA 21 on the street or in the stadium, uh, we become more from superstars to future stars. We're a global community united by football, energised by the world game and soundtracked by the finest tunes from over 100 artists and 20, from 20 plus countries. Mm. Uh, when we come together, we win as one. Join us in FIFA 21. I will say that about FIFA. Every time I put on the radio or Spotify or however I'm listening, old smartass next to me driving to training, the 15-year-old son <laughs> goes, FIFA song. That's all uh, he says, yeah. FIFA song. FIFA and I'll, song. Take, I'll give them a rap, this FIFA, and I've been getting them, as I said, for years with my older son. You who, play your cards right it? here, you could get another one. No, but I'm, what I'm saying is truth. And I've got a young son who's – he'll be nine in November, but it's helped in his football development because what I like about PlayStation – is they they learn and, and I'm hopeless on it. You know, mm, I, I, same. Yeah, and but they actually do and they do all these tricks and you know there's Ronaldo and there's mm. Messi and there's all the other superstars, and they actually get off it, and they go outside and try and replicate the tricks that they've just been doing on PlayStation. And that's where, for me, it's it's such a success for football mm. players. You know, because we all hear our oh, kids on their devices and kids are always in front of the, you know. With FIFA, yeah, I get it, and you can overdo it. They, you, you know, you can you know overplay. Mm. But what I love about it is, in general, I've, from my experience, from the older son who who did it, and now my younger son, they play it, they play it, and then they're outside mm. and they're kicking the ball and they're doing the things and that they've just seen on PlayStation. Hey, look, any game that you can have. Thierry Henry and Roberto Firmino playing for the Central Coast Mariners at Gosford is fine by me. It is. But what about – you've just hit on a good point. So all the old players they have on it. Yeah, yeah. So my son now knows – like he knows Thierry Henry and he shouldn't do. Yeah. But he knows also, you know, the obvious ones, Maradona, hmm. uh, Pelé and uh, I don't know, the ones from the – Beckenbauer. Yeah, yeah, all that. So he knows them. Hmm. And how good is that? Yes, it's a historical references. No, it is. Well. It's brilliant because it, it's teaching kids that are, you know, who weren't even a dream 
you know, weren't even an idea when the, when these players were playing. So, yep. Mate, if you don't get a game out of this, you never. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, probably. No, my luck, I won't. Hey, I'm not sure how much Harry Maguire will be chosen by kids who are playing FIFA in the next uh, <laughs> in the next couple of weeks, given the last couple of months that Big Harry has had. Uh, I don't know if you saw the game against Denmark, England. Two yellow cards. One of them was probably a straight red anyway, sent off. Disastrous result so, as well. His last game for Manchester United was a complete cluster, you know. Shamozzling. <laughs> that, that defending as well. Have you ever known, and he, obviously he's got a few things going on with what happened in Greece, and it's, mm. you put two and two together and you think you got four with the fact that it's playing on his mind and it's taken away from his performances and everything. Have you ever seen a player crumble by virtue of the fact that he's um, been in the news for something he doesn't want to be in the news for or he, you've just seen a player just become a shell of themselves because at the moment it looks like he's affected. Harry Maguire is extremely affected by what's going on. Yeah, well, life. look, and and star players and Harry Maguire is a star player, of course, playing for Manchester United. You know, a lot of money involved in his transfer from uh, Leicester and uh, obviously, mil. yeah, and obviously England. So there's a lot of pressure in that in itself. But I would say, um, and mental health is is such a big issue. But I would say. He needs to be a little bit more professional. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when you when you you know when you're a role model, and I don't get the I never chose to be a role. You are a role model, mm. role model. You know, you you have to deal with those pressures, and and if you're getting paid the the money that Harry Maguire is getting paid and playing for his country, then he needs to be stronger. It looks like he needs a week off, or he's got one from Manchester well, the, United. You know, he looks like he needs a month off, but that's not good enough. He's already paid professional footballers, he's, Harry Redknapp once told the dressing room of, of a game we'd just lost. I'll tell you one thing, he's lucky there's no crowds at the moment. Oh, he'd be getting stick. Oh, goodness. Huh. But have you, have you seen that happen to, like, <laughs> excellent footballers? And they just crumble. They just, for something that's gone on in their life, yeah. private matters, yep. that they just become a shell of themselves mm. and just cannot put one foot in front yeah, well, of the other? Yeah, well, you'd hope that, you know, he's getting support and... You know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, whether he's just had a bad week or whether it is him being affected. But, of course, and when I say he needs to be stronger, I'm not, you know, being insensitive to, to problems off off the field for him. But, you know, there is this, there's still a part of me that's a bit old school where sometimes you've just got to toughen up. Mm. And I know it's not always that simple and there's more complex cases that happen and, and I do realise that. But I don't think it's all the cases. I think sometimes you've just got to toughen up. Hard enough. We'll see what happens with Harry Maguire in the next couple of games. Unfortunately, he's not playing against no. Newcastle this weekend. No. <laughs> it's actually a loss for Newcastle, the way he's going. I've tipped Newcastle to beat United this weekend. You're an idiot. Why? I don't know. Because I'd never tip Newcastle, ever. Newcastle are one of those sides that you wouldn't be surprised if they got beat 3-0 and then you're not sort of surprised that they <laughs> win 3-0. You just go, okay, that's Newcastle. It all depends on one man and one man only, Alan St. Maximin. Yeah. And do you know what? Going back to this FIFA thing, actually, when we signed yeah. him, I went, oh, he looks all right and everything like that. Noah what? came downstairs and went, bang. All the stats. Oh, he's this, what he's was that. His I don't know what his rating was. He was probably 90 or something. I don't know 89. what it is, but it's it's not what it should be, I reckon, because he is... My son, off, actually, so good. he's another one who I have to tell some porkies. My son goes... Why aren't you in the icons? Dad? <laughs> you should be in the icons. And I go, yeah, well, yeah, you're probably right, Matthew. You know, like, and, and then he goes, he goes, oh, look, Maradona or Zidane, he's he's rated 97. Dad, what were you? What would you have been rated? I go, oh, look, I don't know. <laughs> 70? Oh, come on. 
Oh, your pace would have been up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's not go. I'm just glad I'm not living in the times that we are today where you have all that. You got a, yeah. You know, a poor old player plan for Burnley. You know, he yeah. looks on FIFA ratings, probably gets depressed. <laughs> hey, uh, the international break, by the way. Um, maybe this is what Graham Arnold's trying to call you about, about their next games, the Socceroos. So they're trying to get games lined up in London. Now, a lot depends on COVID restrictions, as you mentioned quickly before. Yeah, but England's um, going... Looks like worse, Europe's yeah. going into lockdown again. France is in all sorts. England's in all sorts. So it can change week to week. However, they're trying to get maybe a game against the US and a game against England at mm. Wembley has opened up because New Zealand has just decided it's too hard. Let's to hope Harry's playing. Aaron McGuire. <laughs> you put Harry Kuehl on him at the moment. He may not run, <laughs> not run around Harry on Harry. Uh, but that would be great if well, we that, get a game Well, well talking about Harry on Harry, and that, of course Harry was the star of the show, wasn't he, against England all those years ago True. when we up beat the them at Upton 2003. Park. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a memorable moment. Yes. But so, uh, hopefully that can be replicated. We've played them since, obviously, up in Sunderland yes. in 2016. Um, but... International break is always interesting. So at the moment, all these players are flying back from all parts of the world to go. See, back we to have the clubs. difficulty because uh, you look at where all our players are playing. Yeah. Well, we got players in the Middle East. But at least they don't have the two. What are you doing to your face? I'm scratching it. Well, don't scratch it. You can hear it in the microphone. Well, it's itchy. Yeah. Well, people are listening. Sorry for everyone listening. And um, I got an itchy face. Uh, well, I could have said something, but I'll get it. You've got – what's the chance of Aaron Moy playing? I don't know. Playing in China. Can he get out of Ch- – I think he can – I think Australia and New Zealand are the only t- places in the world where you have to go into a hotel for two weeks and not have mm. to do anything. I think they can just fly in and as long as they're in a bubble. I don't know. No, no, I don't think that's true because I've no? had some conversations with a certain person and I think there's certain countries – and, you know, in countries where they have to go – into quarantine, the clubs don't have to release them. Oh, okay. So anyway, that's a whole other discussion. Let's hope that the games go ahead and we can get all our players there and and that would be definitely something to look forward to, as well as the Asian Champions League we've got to look forward to. Yes, from late November. So that's happening in Doha. We're negotiating kickoff times at the moment with uh, our good friends from the AFC and hopefully we'll get pal- palatable kickoff times, not at 2 o'clock in the bloody morning uh, for our Australian teams playing in that yeah. because they can play in the day over there because it's winter and it's going to be like 25, 26 yep. or whatever like that. They're going to hold a World Cup at that time of year. Um, but just before we go, I want an old school story, Rob, to, to see us out. Oh, Give us your favourite trying to get home from a Socceroos international break um, story. What do you mean trying to Oh, get just like logistical issues or issues with your club when you went back. You, well, you the most famous time. one of all time is without doubt the Frank Farina, Graham Arnold, Robbie Slater stay over in Buenos Aires after the 93... World Cup qualifier. Yeah. So we were sort of superstars after that, uh, after those two games because Maradona spoke so well of us. And, yeah. and of course, Argentina won that night, so we were popular and, um, and I was very popular. But anyway, we, we went out um, and had a great night. You know, we well documented. We went out with, you know, Maradona turned up with his, you know, we met all the players and, you know, Maradona and me and Vidmar went into his circle and... Got, got offered certain delights um, <laughs> that were, uh, yeah, we can't sort of talk about that. Anyway, so anyway, this great night. So in the morning, I remember getting up in the morning, I went down to sort of go for breakfast, but I saw Arnie and Frankie sitting in the, in the coffee shop just down in the foyer. And I walked over and go, what's going on, boys? He goes, oh, how good was that? Looking a bit dusty, to be fair. We all were. And, um, and then Arnie goes... I don't know if it was – I don't know who said it, 
but we should stay another night was mentioned. <laughs> and Arnie goes, yeah, well, you know, like, and I said, oh, I said, Lon, yeah, I could probably. And Frank goes, yeah, what a great idea. Who, who was where? Where was Arnie? Arnie was at, um, he was in Holland. Yeah. Uh, Frankie was in France with me, Strasbourg. Yeah. And I was at Lons. You were at Lons. And I knew I could swing it. Um, <laughs> and Arnie knew he could swing it. And Frankie thought he could swing it. <laughs> and Frankie was, I was most surprised. He said, so, and I, 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 said, I swear, I think they were still under the, you know what I'm saying. I think there was, there was still a little bit light. They couldn't drive. Yeah, they couldn't drive. Anyway, they were, and um, <clears throat> this was at nine o'clock in the morning. And I, and I said, I said, right, you sure? <laughs> I said, I'll go and see it. Tony Labazetta, who was the team manager at that stage, who had been yeah. uh, obviously in the time chairman of, of Soccer Australia back in those days. Anyway, so I went upstairs to Tony's room and I said, Tony, I said, me and Arnie and Frankie, we want to stay for another night. And Tony goes, well, no, that's, that's bullshit. You can't do that. I go, Tony, come on. You know, we might never play again. Look, you know, we might not even be here for the next campaign. And, and obviously Frankie wasn't. And... Um, Anyway, Tony somehow changed our flights and, and, and all this and, and, and he made it happen. And as he, when he made it happen, he said, look, you can't change this back now. It's done. So what it was was changing our flights hmm. 24 hours. So we would leave in the evening of the next day. So that means we're there, we'd been there for that night. We stay another night and then we leave that night. Anyway, I went back downstairs and I went, well, it's done. And he goes, oh, yeah, really? I said, yeah, well, so we're staying the night. And and Frankie looked at me. He goes, "Nah, yeah, good one, Bulldog." I said, "I said, Frankie, I said we're staying." And Frankie goes, "Yeah, good one." And I don't know what happened from there, but um, the, so we went. I think me and Arnie went. We went to get something to eat, and we were supposed to leave about two o'clock. Hmm. I think our flight. No, well, the flight was the, sort of a similar time. But I remember coming. No, we went to lunch, and everyone went their own ways. And I remember coming back into the foyer, and it was about two or three in the afternoon. And me and Arnie are standing there and we looked at that and the elevator opened and here's Frankie coming out with his suitcases all packed. <laughs> and he's coming out into the middle of the foyer and I, I said, Danny, I said, what's he doing? And Arnie goes, oh, I don't know, <laughs> he thinks he's living. So I went up to Frankie and he looked and he goes, what? I said, Frankie, you're, you ain't going. <laughs> I said, we're leaving tomorrow. He said, and I can't exactly, he said, this, he said, it's not possible. He said, I'll get caught. He had this famous manager, Gilbert Gress. Uh, Gilbert, we used to call oh, he it. Scary. And he was scary, and Frankie was petrified of him <laughs> with good reason. And Frankie was he was playing really well. He was their top goal scorer at Strasbourg. Yeah. And Frankie goes, "I'll get killed." He said, <laughs> "He said I, I, I can't. I've got to go." I said, "Frankie, go and ask Tony." I said, "We can't go. We're staying tonight." It's done. He goes, "Well, you're going to have to call. You're going to have to call him." Call I said, who? I said, "Call who?" He goes, Gilbert. <laughs> I said, I'm not calling Gilbert because I spoke French, obviously, oh, yeah, fluent yeah, yeah. French. And he said, what we're going to do, this is the best. He goes, we're going to lie. We're going to blame it on Soccer Australia. We're going to say that they've <laughs> stuffed up the flights and we're stuck here for another night. And I said, oh, yeah, okay. So anyway, we waited a couple of hours for the time difference and we went up to Frankie's room and I'll never forget it. And Frankie goes, right, I'll ring. And anyway, we didn't end up speaking because Gilbert wasn't there, but we spoke to the the... Director Sportif is the TD yeah. of the club. I can't remember his name. And and I, I, I pretended to be Tony Labazetta. <laughs> right? And yeah. so I pretended to be the, the manager. Uh, and I started speaking, you know, in French. 
broken French, even more broken to make it sound like <laughs> I didn't speak that well. And he was filthy. He goes, this is not professional, this is, can't happen. So this wasn't Gress, this was his 2RC. It was the TD. He oh, said this TD. is, and they're very powerful in France. The TDs are very powerful. Director sportif, they got, yeah. it's not actually TD. They're the ones that do so all... So it wasn't him. <laughs> I'm showing him a photo of Gilbert Gress at the moment. I can get, do, your fa- do yourself a favour and uh, look up Google Gilbert it. Gress on, um, on Google. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that you wouldn't uh, no. try and pull the wall So out. anyway... Um, he was filthy. He said, "This is not. This is not a professional organisation. This is a joke." And um, and I, I was apologetic, and I said, "Yeah, I know." Da da da. Anyway, hung up, and F- Frankie looked at me because Frankie's French wasn't that great. Frankie goes, "How did it go?" I go, "Mate, sweet." <laughs> I said, "No problems. You'll be fine." And Frankie goes, "Yeah, really?" I go, "Yeah." Anyway, we stayed that night. Had a great night, and um, and uh, he got back and. He didn't play the first week, and I remember speaking to him, and he got in so much trouble. But it, it all sorted out in the end. I did look at his record, though. He left at the end of that season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he left after the 93-94 season, Frank Rayner. <laughs> he was obviously not... I uh, think he went to Lille from there. Viewed upon. Because he was at Lille. Yeah, he went to Lille, Frank, Frankie, and... Um, Can you give us... I was at Lons, and that was the local derby, and I... The day I left Longs and gave a farewell speech to the fans, we were playing Lil and Frankie was playing. Can you give us uh, your best Tony Labazetta French? <laughs> Tony, <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. I wouldn't do that to Tony. I don't think Tony ever knows that happened. Well, he does now. <laughs> I reckon I reckon that whoever that director sportif was, he'd probably, I reckon he's told a lot of stories about Tony Labazetta <laughs> that Tony Labazetta doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrific. Terrific. Good way to end the uh, the Fox Football Podcast brought to you by EA Sports FIFA 21. Thanks, Robbie Slater. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, yep, thanks for everyone that, that is listening. And um, as I said before, football people, we need to uh, be football people. Hmm. And act Quite accordingly. And act accordingly. <laughs> so what that means, okay, I'm going to get smashed on Twitter. <laughs> thanks for your company on the Fox Football Podcast. See you guys. Catch Cheers. you next week.